Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. One of the things that energizes our teams the most is being able to hear stories of lives that are impacted by this ministry. We would love for you to share your story with us by emailing it to stories at newcommunity.co or maybe your next step to getting connected to what God is doing in this ministry is partnering with us financially. You can do that online at www.newcommunity.co or through the PushPay app and find the giving option that works best for you. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy today's message. Well, we're going to continue worshiping together this morning, church. And this is the time in the service every week where we have an opportunity to just honor God through our giving and um, give back to Him a small part of what He has given to us. And as we prepare to do that, I want to just share something exciting that is getting ready to take place here at New Community Church Ever since September, we've been in this campaign called Made for More. So as you walk in, you see all of these M circles, and we're focused this year on that God has more for us. You know, more in our lives, more in our relationship with God, more in your marriage, more as a parent, more in your place of employment, wherever you're at. God wants to do more inside of us. We believe this, not just in our lives as individuals, but also together as a church that God has something bigger he wants to do corporately through us as a church. God wants to make a bigger impact. He has more for us. And so we're looking at this, this vision that God has given us. We've said, you know what? We can't stay here. We are going to give, serve, and support the vision that God is calling us to. This is a vision to increase our current facility. It's a vision to add on for students and for kids to add on to part of our facility for that and to see how God wants to increase our church. It's a vision to deepen our relationship with the MISD. We want to partner with them in the Read, Play, Talk initiative that they have, and we want to ensure that kids are going to be successful in their education even before they start kindergarten. We want to partner with the MISD in that. It's a vision that's just beyond Mesquite and the surrounding areas to our missionary partners in El Salvador, the communities that we give money to. We want to see them add on to their churches and build schools and build health clinics to make an impact for the next generation. It's a vision for the next generation. We're believing that. And so on April 23rd, we're kicking off kind of the second step of this Made for More campaign. And we're going to spend a number of weeks together as the church just asking God, God, how can we be obedient? How can we invest in your kingdom? How can we give generously to see your vision accomplished here at NCC and also in the surrounding area? God, we want to partner with you in what you're doing. And so this morning, I've asked our kids, new kids, if you guys could come in, give them a hand as they make their way in. They're going to join us right here on stage. If we have any other elementary age kids, middle school students, high school students, any middle school students or high school students, stand up this morning. Come on, you guys. I know some of you are right there. If you guys would come forward, just crowd around the stage. This is a beautiful group of kids and students, isn't it? Amen. Okay, so I want you guys, man, we wanted you to be a part of this, what we're going to share with our church. We wanted you guys as kids and as students to hear this. So just take the next few moments. I want you to focus in on what we're doing here. You guys, this is what God's word says in the book of Malachi. This is the last book of the Old Testament before the time of Jesus. This is one of the last things that God is going to speak to his people before Jesus comes onto the earth. And this is what he says. I'm going to send my prophet Elijah. He's going to declare my word to, the, to my people. And then he says this. He's going to take the hearts of the fathers and restore them to the hearts of the children. 
Take the hearts of the children and restore them to the hearts of the Father, lest utter destruction come upon the land. What is it that God is saying to his people? He's saying, I'm looking at my people and I'm looking for some parents. I'm looking for some grandparents. I'm looking for some community leaders. I'm looking for some business owners that aren't just going to invest in themselves, that aren't going to be selfish, but they're going to pour out and they're going to have a passion for the next generation. They're going to give a legacy and they're going to leave a legacy for those that are coming after them. And church, that's what we're committing to in this campaign that we're doing. We're saying this isn't just about us. It's about the students and kids that are standing in front of you. So I want you guys to hear this. We're going to add on to our building. Okay, and we're not going to build something cool for us. Okay, and tell you guys, you guys have the old building, you guys have the leftovers. We want to build something new and amazing for you guys. Isn't that pretty cool? We want some cool classrooms. Okay, we want some amazing interactive space for you guys that you can invite your friends to come in on a Sunday morning and they can learn more about Jesus. Students, we want a place that you guys can take over on Wednesday nights. That new edition, take over that new edition, and you can invite classmates. That kid that has a locker right next to yours, that kid that you know that is broken and hurting, their family's going through something, and you invite them, and they come here, and they experience the life-changing power of Jesus. That's what we're committing. I want you to look at me, and I want you to hear this. We are passionate about you guys. We're committing as a church to empower, to equip, to invest in you, to do more for God's kingdom than you can imagine on your own. This is what we believe. God has more for you. God wants to do more through your life than you can imagine right now. God wants to use you guys to do more for his kingdom than we have done as adults. And we want to stand back and look at amazement at how God uses you guys to change this community, to change this city, to change your schools, and to impact people with the message of Jesus. That's our prayer. That's our passion for you guys, that God would do that. And so we're going to invest in you. We're going to invest in you. We're going to do what God's word says in Malachi. We're going to have a passion and a heart for the next generation. So church, I want to ask you to stretch out your hands. This morning, we're going to take a moment and pray. We're going to pray over these kids and these students that are here. We're going to pray over their friends. We're going to pray over families that haven't even come to NCC yet, but God is going to bring them and their life is going to be changed. So let's pray right now that God would do that. Lord, we come before you. God, I hear this challenge in Malachi. You're looking for a people, God, that will be passionate about the next generation. And Lord, we want to be a church that is all about that, God. So as we invest, God, as we give, as we pray and say, Lord, how will you use us to invest in the next generation? God, I pray, Lord, that you will change lives, that you use students and kids here, Lord, God, to bring your message into their schools, to bring your message to their friends, Lord, to see other students' lives change, God, that their lives and their destiny would be turned around. God, use us as a church, God, to reach out to the next generation. God, I pray that you would do that. God, we're believing you for more. We're believing you for more. God, as we step into the next part of this campaign, we're praying this in your name. Amen. Church, can we put our hands together and celebrate? Thank you guys so much. We're believing that God is going to do that through our church. And so I want to encourage you, church, continue to pray with us. It's going to launch on April 23rd. We're going to be talking about more ways that we can respond in obedience to how God is challenging us to invest in the next generation. I'm going to ask our ushers who are helping us today um, as we give our tithes and offerings this morning, our normal tithes and offerings, um, as we prepare to do that, that they would come forward. There's a few ways that you can do that if you're ready to give this morning. Um, you can do that through the PushPay app. And it's simply a way on your smartphone, you can download the PushPay app, look for New Community Church, you can give online. That's a secure way to do that. You can take the offering envelope 
there in front of you and put cash or check in that, you can give this morning. And church, we're believing this, that everything that is given, no matter how small, no matter how large you give, that God is going to use it to build his kingdom, to change students and kids, to invest in families, and to make a difference here and in the surrounding communities. Amen? Amen. Let's give together. You guys can begin to pass those buckets this morning as we give together. Good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? It's good to see each and every one of you here. And we are in this series called Walk This Way. So we've been spending the past few weeks looking at God's word and allowing him to challenge us from this books, um, from these few books of the Bible known as the major and minor prophets. And this series is actually just part of this larger campaign called Made for More. We started in the book of Genesis um, all the way back in September, and we've been hitting different highlighted passages, different parts of the Bible, looking at stories and allowing God um, to challenge us. And if you're new here, we want to welcome you. Um, I'll start by introducing myself. My name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And we're a church that's passionate about making people and places new. We believe that, that God has made us for more. And so in this campaign, we've made some declarations. We've said that scripture is going to shape our life. So as we've been walking through the books of the Bible, Genesis, to where we're currently at, we've said that, hey, that God is going to take scripture and we're going to allow God to shape us and to form us. We've been reading through the Bible together. There are Bible reading plans in the back. You can grab one of those, open up scripture, because this is what we believe is that as we look at God's word, it should change us. Okay? We're not approaching God's word and saying, God, I want your word to conform to my life. We're taking our life and conforming that, shaping that around God's word and around what he is saying. And so it's vital to our growth that every day we're opening up the Bible. We're reflecting on scriptures on Sunday morning. What we're doing is not just giving a good talk. We're looking at God's word and allowing it to speak to us. Groups that are happening all over this community, all throughout the week, as you guys meet together in each other's homes, the whole purpose of that, once again, to open up scripture, to challenge one another. And so we want to do that. We want to make sure that we're engaging in scripture. So we're going to do that here this morning, um, real quick, even before we jump into the message. I know all of you guys take notes, right? Because God may speak to you, something to you. And so in front of you, there is a sermon note card. Some of you guys have your smartphones and you take notes on that. Go ahead and take that out, okay? At least fake it and act like you're grabbing something, you guys, so I feel a little bit better, okay? So grab those sermon notes, take out your smartphone, and if you've been walking along in the Bible reading plan, I want you, um, here in just a moment, you're going to just say, hey, God, here's what you spoke to me this week, here's how I'm applying it. Now, if you're new, you may say, Aaron, I didn't engage with scripture this week, I didn't know there was going to be a pop quiz today when I got here, and we've got you covered, okay? We don't want you to be left out. So up here, Proverbs 10, verse 3 and 4, on this next slide, we actually have the scripture. You're going to read that for a moment, and you're just going to read this passage right here, and then just ask God, is there a way that I can apply this, okay? So we're going to take about 30 seconds right now, either this passage, a different passage. This is one of the passages we're reading today. You can do this, a different one. Just write down, God, here's what you spoke. Here's what I can do with it, okay? Let's do that together. I'm going to do it right up here.
Okay, I know some of you guys are still writing. You can go ahead and finish that up. But you guys, this is our goal. We don't want to just talk about this, okay? We don't want to just come sit in a service and say, man, that, that seemed like a good idea. We want to actually take God's word and let it change us, let it transform us and make us different. Scripture is going to shape our life. That's what we've said. That's what we believe that God's word is vital to us. That's important as we look at the passage because today's passage is a little bit more difficult. It's something we don't like to talk about, but we want scripture to shape our life. We want it to form who we are. And so we want to know that God allow your word to change us and to shape us. Now, as I was thinking about this passage today, I thought about something that happened in our home a few weeks ago. Um, we have we um, had a book fair at the kids' school. Some of you guys may remember that, right? You go, you go to school, there's those scholastic book fairs. And so we told our kid on the night of the week, they had it open at one of the nights. And so we said, hey, we'll go as a family. Everyone can kind of pick out a book, you know, and we'll do this. So we're sitting down at dinner time. Um, we're eating some, I think it was pasta noodles or ramen noodles or something. We had some salad in that. And our little guy, Aiden, he's six years old. He's like, Dad, this is the best stuff, right? It's just those cheap ramen noodles. But he's like, Dad, this is so amazing, man. And, and he's like, can I get another plate? And I'm like, buddy, you just already ate a big plate. And he's like, but it's so good, Dad. And so I said, okay. So I scooped up another big plate of noodles, and he's eating it. I mean, he just scarfs it down. Sometimes we have to remind Aiden, hey, your mind takes a little bit to catch up with your stomach, so don't eat so fast. I know as adults we need to remember that sometimes, right? So, so I'm telling him, hey, buddy, you got to slow down. Like, don't eat so fast. You're going to hurt yourself. But he's just, man, he's scarfing it down. And then he looks up, and he's like, Dad, I want a third plate. And I'm like, buddy, you can't have a third plate. I mean, this, if you've seen Aiden, he's just the littlest guy, right? He's little for six years old. And he's like, but dad, I'm, I'm still hungry. I want more. And so I'm like, okay, I'll give you a little bit more. And so I give him a little bit more. He eats that. We head out, okay? Our house is just about two, two, mi or two minutes from the elementary school. It's just right on the back of our subdivision. So it doesn't take us any time. Within those just couple of minutes, Aiden steps out of the van, and he's like, dad, I'm going to be sick, man. My stomach's hurting, Dad. And I'm like, buddy, I told you not to eat all of that. And he's like, I don't know what to do. And so we quickly, we go into the school. I'm, I'm a nervous wreck. I'm afraid he's going to lose all of dinner all over the school floor. So we don't even get to stay at the Scholastic Book Fair. We grab the books real quick. We go home all the way home. Dad, my stomach hurts so bad. He had to lay down the rest of that night. In Aiden's mind, he thought one plate of pasta is delicious. So three has to be better, right? Right? Like one was so good, it tasted so good. So more, obviously, it's got to be better, right? That's not something just kids struggle with. Like we, we think of that as adults so many times, that, that if I have one thing, more of that has got to be better, right? Like one kid is great, so eight has to be better, right? In case you don't know, I do have eight kids. And let me tell you, at times it does not seem better. Um, they drive me crazy. Sometimes we think that though, more has to be better, right? You're married, you have one spouse. I'm telling you, more is not better, okay? You don't want to add another spouse into that equation. More is not always better, but sometimes we think that. We think, well, if I can just get more, if I can accumulate more things, if I have more stuff, it's going to be better in my life. That's going to be better. And today, the passage that we're looking at, the kingdom of God actually teaches us sometimes that less is actually more. I want you to get that, that sometimes in God's kingdom, according to God's word, that less is actually more. That God can do more with less than we can do with 100% of what we have. God can do more with that. And so he's challenging his people with this idea. If you have your Bibles, turn to Malachi chapter 3. 
And we're going to start reading at verse 6, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. There's a Bible in the seat in front of you, and it's on page 467. I want to encourage you to take that out, or if you have a smartphone, you can look it up online, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. But I want you to follow along with us because Scripture is going to shape our life. We believe that, so we want to look at this. Once you have that, just hold on to it for one second. And I want to help you understand what's going on in Malachi here, what's going on in this book, kind of this prophetic book of the Bible. God, as we've seen the past few weeks in the other prophets, God was talking to his people and he's encouraging them. He's challenging them. Hey, don't let your hearts drift away from me. The people would go through times where they would say, God, everything's good. We've got this covered. God, we don't want you to be a part of our life. Man, God, we, we can handle this really without you. And if we need something, we'll come to you. And God says, man, don't do that. It's going to lead to death, destruction, and captivity. If you go worship other gods, if you worship other things, if you don't put me first in your life, it's going to cause problems. But the people of God said, we've got this. And sure enough, they ended up in captivity. 70 years, they're out of the place that God has called them to be in, out of the land that God had promised them. And after 70 years, they return. And this prophet named Malachi, God raises him up. Malachi begins to speak the word of the Lord to the people of God. Once again, this is one of the last things that God is going to say to his people for almost 400 years before the time of Christ, okay? And what is it that he's instructing his people with? Well, they've returned, right? People have come back after 70 years. Walls are torn down. Houses are broken into. Windows are broken. Doors are off their hinges. All of this. Vineyards are burned. And so all of the people are financially investing in homes in the city trying to rebuild all of this. And God is telling them, hey, there's a financial principle that you're missing here. This is what he says, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. He says this, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you have asked, how do we return to God? And God responds, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Now, what's going on here in this passage? What is it that God's challenging his people with? Once again, they've returned from captivity. They've returned to this land that God had given them. They're rebuilding. They're restoring houses. They're doing all of this that had been in disarray for 70 years. And this is the principle that they were applying to their life. God, we've got a lot of bills, okay? Got to fix up the house. We're remodeling. We're adding on. We're purchasing some land. We're going to build some vineyards, get some crops and all of that. God, this is expensive, okay? There's a lot of bills going out right now. And so, God, what we're going to do is we're going to invest in ourselves. We're going to invest in what we need right now, Lord. And if at the end of the month, if there's a little bit extra in the bank account, if I can squeeze a little bit out of my budget, if I've got a little bit left over, God, then we'll bring something into your storehouse. God will give to you at that point. And God said, wait, you're missing this. And church, you need to understand this. This is not a financial issue. This isn't a money issue. This is a heart issue. Because where does God start at? He's saying, it's not just that you're not giving. It's not that you're just not dropping some money in the offering bucket when it goes by. He said, your heart's not with me. You've come back to me from captivity. You've come back to the land, but your heart is still captive somewhere else. Your heart is still held captive somewhere else. You have not returned to me. And he's challenging his people, return to me and I will return to you. It's what Jesus says in the book of Matthew, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. 
And God says, your heart isn't with me. You're investing in all of these other things, and you're not honoring me. You're not respecting me in this way. Church, you need to understand this. Giving to God is part of your spiritual growth. It is a vital, important part because it shows that you trust God, not just with the first part, but with everything that he has given you. It's honoring him in this way. It is a spiritual practice to say, God, I'm going to give you the first part of what you've blessed me with. And so we continue on in this passage, and this is what he challenges the people with. Read this with me. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Okay? Just so you understand, God's not up in heaven hungry. Okay? He's not rubbing his hands together. He's not panicked that you're not going to give enough. That's not what it is. God owns everything. He has the provision of everything. That's not what he's talking about here. But he's saying, hey, there's this principle in God's word that you would honor me, that you would give the first part of what I've blessed you with. You would bring it back to me. Now, this is a principle, in case you're unfamiliar with the tithe or this word, that God had set out all throughout time for his people, all the way since the beginning of time. He said, hey, whenever you're blessed, whenever you have increase, um, you get a paycheck, any of those things, whenever I bless you, you're going to take the first 10% of that. You're going to return it to me, honoring me as a reminder that everything that you have comes for me and that you're trusting me. Get this, church, spiritual growth. It's that you're trusting me with everything that I've given you. You bring the first part because it's an act of trust to God. God, I trust you with everything that I have, okay? God knew that we struggled with math, so he made it really easy, you guys, 10%, okay? 10%, it's easy to do that, right? So you go out, you work really hard this week, right? And and you're doing stuff, whatever that is that you do. You get that paycheck at the end of the week. It's $100, 10%, you bring back Yep, it's not a trick question, you guys. You can just shout it out there, okay? $10, good job there, okay? Okay, you, you work really hard, okay? You got a raise. So next week, you're making $1,000. That's a big raise. Some of you guys would love that, okay? So you're making $1,000, right? God says, hey, you honor me with the first 10%. You bring back 100. There you go, okay? You're confident that time. 10%, God says, honor me in this way. You bring the first part, but it's, a, it's recognizing, God, all of it belongs to you. Everything that I have belongs to you. And then he goes on to say this, Malachi chapter 3, and thereby put me to the test. Church, this is one of the only times in God's word where he ever says, test me in this. Test me in this. He's looking at his people saying, just try it. Just try it and see what happens. Test me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I don't know about you, but I'd love to be in that place where there is no more need. This is what God says. Test me in this. I'll pour down a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you, so it will not destroy the fruit of your soil. It will not, um, your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord. What's God saying to his people? Hey, your heart's far away from me. You're not honoring me in this financial principle. You're not giving to me. You're not bringing the first part of that and honoring me in this. Your heart's far away from me, but I want you to do this. Test me in it, and I'm going to bless you. Not just financially. I'm going to bless you in every area of your life. He's saying that in a language they'll understand. Bugs aren't going to come eat your crops. The sun's not going to wither your harvest. You're going to have plenty. My hand is going to be upon you. I'm going to bless you in every area of your life if you'll just try me in this. God's saying that, return to me. Let your hearts return to me. Don't withhold one part of your life saying, God, I'm giving myself to you, but this part I'm keeping, my pocketbook I'm keeping. No, every part of your life you give to God 
And he says, if you'll do that, if you'll honor me in that, if you'll show me that you trust me, I am going to bless your life. You're going to have increase in your life. About a week and a half ago, um, I was out to lunch with one of the guys from our church named Jake Larson. Some of you guys may know him. And um, we were having a conversation. Jake had no idea what I was going to be speaking about. Um, but he started to share some things that God was challenging him with. And I thought, man, we've got to have this conversation. So give Jake a hand as he comes forward this morning. And Jake, we were, we were sitting down once again. You didn't really know what we were going to talk about. I know you pretty well, but everyone in the room may not know you. So maybe take a moment and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Cool. So we've been going to NCC for a couple of years. Uh, when we moved back to Texas, we joined the church. And uh, my wife is that beautiful blonde that sings on the stage. She's mine. <laughs> She's mine. Okay. Um, and that's probably why you would mostly know us. We hang out with the kids upstairs a lot, or I do anyway. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and I'm just happy to be up here. Thanks for trusting yeah. me. So as we were sitting down, and I want you guys to know this, like I didn't prep Jake or tell him, hey, you need to say this. This is stuff that he was sharing. And as you were sharing that, Jake, it was like you were preaching to me, and it was challenging my life. And I thought, man, this is a conversation, and even I'm giving you the freedom to preach a little bit this morning and just share that passion that you had for some of those things. You know, we're talking about giving, and you started by just even sharing with me, like, you didn't always give. You know, there was a time in your life where God had to challenge you in that area and where you had to grow in that. So maybe just take a moment and just share a little bit about that time in your life. It's funny how that works, isn't it? How God arranges that stuff. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, I had no clue you were going to speak on this. Uh, but yeah, I, my parents taught me that I should be tithing growing up. But of course, I was smarter than them, so I didn't <laughs> do it at first. Um, I'm just kidding. Love you, Mom and Dad. Um, no, but... Uh, what happened was uh, in, my, in my life as I was getting a little older, um, I, I started, you know, following the ways of God and trying to be obedient. And that's when the tithe came up yeah. um, and he, he started convicting me on it. And the tithe uh, came up. Uh, you have to understand that the tithe is not a money issue. Whenever we were convicted about this, we were making a combined household income of less than 30000 a year. I mean, yeah. we were hurting. Uh, so, so it wasn't, God didn't say, you know, yeah, I'm going to, you know, do this tithe and I'm going to, you know, give you tons and tons of money. That's yeah. not what it was. Um, it was, you know, it was, we had a very small income. We're greatly blessed beyond that now, yeah. but I genuinely believe the only reason we are is because we're, what he showed us in our lives and our marriage and living in obedience. Mm -hmm. You were talking about Malachi 3.10 and, you know, the Lord talking about, you know, bring it to the storehouse and yeah. test me in this and, you know, and I will pour out blessings, pour out blessings. Uh, that's so important, I think. Uh, I think it's safe to say that that's one of the most misinterpreted verses uh, that in all the Bible. You know, uh, you, can, you can look at that and think that some people think that it says, you know, bring, this, bring it to the storehouse and I'll give you more money. No, it says I'll give you more blessing. Yeah. And that's really what he was teaching us uh, in our lives when it came to the tithe. Um, you know, God tells us to tithe not because he needs our money. Yeah. It's because he's trying to make us more like him. It's trying to make a generous heart in us. He's trying to teach us to be closer and more like him. Um, he even tells us to test him in this. Yeah. And me and my household, we have done that. Me and my wife have done that, and he's been very faithful. Uh, it's been pretty incredible. Uh, it's been wonderful. Uh, yeah. He wants to. You have to understand, guys, that God wants to pour out the storehouses of blessings on you. He really does. But being the fact that God is the best manager and leader of everything he is good enough to us not to pour it out until we're ready for it yeah 
Uh, he really is. I want you to take lottery winners as an example. 90 more, more than 90% of those guys are broke in just a few short years because it wasn't an income issue. It was a heart issue. Yeah. And he challenged me when I didn't have an income. Yeah. And so I literally got mad at God. I was like, are you kidding me? No. I No. Give me some more money. If you give me more money, I'll be happy to tithe to you. Yeah. And that just wasn't how it worked at all. So there's four different points I want to talk about that he's taught me because he identified to me that it's really the first 10%. Yeah. It's the first 10% and what that means in our lives. And so um, the first thing, you know, that he taught me about the first uh, 10% means that it really comes from God and we know who to give the thanks to. Yeah. Even when you get a paycheck stub, it says the company's name right across the top. I mean, it's really simple to identify where your money comes from, but really it comes from God. He's the one yeah. that advances us. He's the one that makes it to where we even have that opportunity. I can tell you in my life, you know, God has been really evident in all the doors that I didn't even know were there to open, yep. all the pathways that he's opened up, you know, all these little things. Where we are in life and the income that we have is 100% based on God's blessing. Mm -hmm. and it, it's 100% all him. And so if I understand that and I give the first 10% to him, I, I, I understand that and I'm proving it through my obedience. Yeah. Um, and so uh, just details outside of my control. He's in charge of it all. Yep. Uh, the second big point he's been uh, talking about, it's a reminder of the fact that I'm a steward of the other 90%. Yeah. Um, you know, when you think of it that way, it sheds a new light on budgeting. It sheds a new light on money management. Because I, I said to God, if you'd give me more, I could afford to do this. But mm -hmm. that wasn't the case. The issue was it was a money management issue. Um, and so if, if you look at it from that perspective, the way a, I couldn't even spell budget when I first started tithing. <laughs> I had no clue what a budget was. I had this much coming in. I had that much going out. And if there's more going out than coming in, well, that's what credit cards were for. Yeah. Uh, that's what debt is for, right? I mean, that, that's exactly why they invented it, for stupid planning like me. Uh, <laughs> and so... Uh, the, 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 it also identified, when I started learning about money management, it identified the dangers of debt. Proverbs 22, 7 tells us that the borrower is slave to the lender. Yeah. And, and a lot of people don't realize the grasp of that and exactly uh, what that means. But me and Hannah, my wife, got to find out real quickly what being a slave to the lender means when I got out of the military. When I got out of the military, the recruiter had lied to me, shocker, uh, that, you know, any, everybody just wants to hire veterans. They all love them. I couldn't find a job to save my life. Yeah. And when that happened, I couldn't pay the bills. Mm -hmm. And when I couldn't pay the bills, well, guess who kept calling me over and over? They didn't forget. They didn't care that I lost a job. Yeah. I was slave to all the people that I promised money to and took money from. Yeah. I was a slave to those lenders, and they, they proved it to me. They didn't forget at all. And so it taught me that the real issue was money management and that debt is not really a good option. You know, I'm, I, when we started learning all this, I'm blessed to say that now me and my wife are debt-free other than our house because I genuinely believe the only reason we got there is him identifying that budget and money management yeah. is such a key role in our lives. And it's really, really, really incredible when you actually get to keep your money. It's, you guys should try it. It's really, <laughs> really neat. You get to tell your money what to do instead of your money telling you what to do. And I genuinely believe I only have that perspective because I started with tithing yep. when it was uncomfortable, when I didn't want to, and he taught me exactly where the real issue was, and it was in my heart. 
And yep. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 also says we should give as a cheerful giver. Yep. Um, and I promise you, when God was first talking to me about this and I wasn't managing money correctly, there was nothing cheerful about it. I was upset <laughs> about this God wanting my money thing. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it really radically changes you because you can become a cheerful giver when you actually understand where the real issue is. Yep. And I love that. You know, as Jake was talking, I was looking at my life. I was thinking about... So many of us in the church that how we spend that first part, what you're saying, that tithe actually alters the way that we look at every other, you know, the other 90%, the rest of it um, that God has given us. And, and when we honor God in that, it shifts our priorities. And I love how you said that, you know, when we were out to lunch, you said tithing isn't just a money issue. It's a part of our spiritual growth. And it's that trust in God that when we honor God with that first percent, it really talks about how much we trust in God. So maybe take a moment and just talk about that, how God was developing that in your life. Absolutely. So the third point is exactly what you're saying. It's, it identifies that we trust God. It's, it's an action to identify that we trust God. I mean, money is, we all need it. We hold yeah. it very dear. So letting that go it really shows that we're trusting God. Yeah. And so... You know, the tithe is literally now the first line item budget in our budget. Yep. First thing that we do is pay the tithe that we set that aside. And if we don't have enough to cover everything at the end of the month, it's not going to be the tithe that's trimmed out because God has showed us that it's, it's all about obedience. And, and, you know, let's get away from money management for a second. <laughs> let's all be real. Life happens. Okay? No matter how well you manage your money or plan, life happens. Yeah. And me and my wife got to figure this out. Um, whenever, you know, my, I was working about 90 hours a week at my job at the time. And so we brought Hannah home full time because, you know, for the two hours that I was actually home once a week, we wanted to see each other. Yeah. And so we brought her home, right? And then boom, life happens. No more job for Jake. So we're still only making that little bit I was talking about earlier. So we don't have a ton saved, and now all income is gone. Yeah. So we're scrambling. We're scrambling, scrambling, scrambling. I, I lost my job on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, and I got busy searching, searching, searching. Either Thursday or Friday, I went in, put a suit on, went and handed a resume to a chief pilot. And, you know, we had a cool conversation, and he gave me that wonderful line at the end, we'll be in touch. And <laughs> it's just like, oh, cool, I'll never hear from you again. It sure was nice to meet you. Because uh, that's exactly what that means. And so Sunday rolls around, we go to church, and the tithe bucket's coming around. And I've, you know, me and my wife are still feeling very convicted that we're supposed to give this tithe. My last check was somewhere around 400 bucks, so we're only talking about 40 bucks yeah. that we gave. It wasn't a significant amount, but it was a significant obedience. Yep. When I let that tithe check go that day in that plate, literally. When I let that thing go, it's like I let the weight of the world go. Yeah. I stopped worrying so much knowing that even though I have no clue where it's coming from, my God does. Yeah. My God is good. He's going to That's take good. care of us. Yep. He's going to take care of us. He always does. Yeah. Always does. <laughs> you know, the funny thing about it was the very next day that same chief pilot did actually call me, and we set up an interview, and just a few short days later, I was employed again. And not only was I employed, not only was I employed, but at the end of that year, I made about, oh, three times as much as I made before. That's awesome, yeah. And we also got to move back home to Texas like we'd been wanting to do for years. Yeah. I can't say specifically that the reason I got that job is because I tithed. But what I can say is that I was obedient and faithful, and so was my God. Yes. Amen. So was my God. Yeah. And so 
it's just, it's, it's mind-boggling how good he is to us. And the fourth and final thing that the tithe has taught me is really, it's about us. Yeah. God doesn't need our money. He's trying to teach us to have a heart more like his. Yep. It's so awesome. When you start tithing, you start realizing what it's for and the lessons he's learning. You apply those biblical principles based on the foundation of tithing, but so many other principles as far as budgeting and yeah. money management and stuff. But it makes you generous. It really does. It starts to develop in you a generous heart. Uh, the, the point of, uh, you know, the, the whole point of that verse talking about being a grateful giver yep. is it starts to help convert you into being a generous, having a generous heart, being yep. a generous person. And once you become grateful for giving the check, you become really, it changes your perspective. It really, really does. Yeah. It changes your mindset on what money is for. And you really start to just do different things with it. An example, I don't know if any of you guys have ever been blessed by a random financial gift or if you have blessed someone with a random financial gift but me and my wife have been on both sides of that the guy who gave us money didn't know what our situation was he just felt led by God to give us that amount and it just so happened to be exactly what we needed yeah nobody but God can work that out yeah and on the other side, when we've been led to give someone else a gift, we will come up with a number, me and my wife. And the only problem with a generous heart is you get a little excessive with it. You know, my wife will be like, how much you want to give away? And I'm like, all of it. Let, let's do yeah. that. And, and, and she's like, no, we have to eat. Uh, thank God she's a lot smarter than me. Um, but uh, anyway, um, we'll come up with a number that we've agreed upon. And we yeah. really don't know these people's financial situation. And we'll, we'll anonymously give it to them. And you should just see the way it lights up their world. Yeah. I dare you. Give somebody some money and see what it does to them. It's the coolest thing you'll ever do with money. It is fantastic. It is fantastic to hand somebody some money. Yeah. And like I said, you should do it anonymously so they know it didn't come from you because they might think you're looking down on them if you yeah. do it that way. But if you hand it to them anonymously, they give nothing but glory to God yeah. because that's who set it up. That really is who set it up. Yeah. And so I genuinely believe I was only willing to be have a generous heart because of the foundation yeah. of the tithe. And you had talked about, and I love that, you know, at the end of our conversation, you were just sharing how it not only impacts our finances, but it's in other parts of our life, the impact on marriage, you know, and on our job and on all of that, um, of what God does as we tithe, as we honor him in that way. Yeah, so honestly, Aaron, I'd say the biggest thing that I've learned from the tithe is God taught me not only can I afford to do it, he taught me I can't afford not to do it. Mm -hmm. Because he taught me so much outside of just the financial part of it. Yeah. Literally principles that apply to every part of my life. Yeah. Every part. You know, it, it's incredible. You know, if I can't do it with 90%, I couldn't do it with 100% either. Yeah. Okay? So the real issue was money management and be, me being really stupid trying to live this lifestyle that I had not worked for yet yeah I want that's our culture guys that's our culture they want you to just live in debt and do whatever feels good and then pay for it later and God identified that that stuff wasn't okay so it literally if I can't do it with 90 I can't do it with 100 either and you know God when I asked him for more money he said no you can't handle what I've been giving you why would I give you more any business owner manager any person out there who's even ever had a job can tell you if you've got a handful of responsibilities and you can't handle those 
it is not, there's nothing more frustrating than having more responsibilities yeah. poured upon you. And I promise you, if you're not learning how to manage your money and deal with the heart issue that comes with it, then more money is not a blessing. Yeah. It is a curse. Like I said earlier, a lot of your winners are a great example of that. Yeah. Um, and so literally it changes changes everything. Everyone in the world operates on money, but it's so taboo to talk about it. And that's what blows my mind. We, you know, we really should talk about it. We really should learn to manage it yeah. and get, get lessons about it. Our schools teach us all sorts of things, but they rarely ever teach a financial class. That would have been a little helpful going into <laughs> adulthood. Uh, so it's just, it, it, it's, it's a foundation. You know, I really genuinely feel like our financial household and the security of it um, is ba has been based on the foundation of tithing and all the lessons that came along with that. You know, my wife and I, the number one reason for divorce in this country is financial issues. And my wife and I can tell you we have a financial household that is secure, not because we make tons and tons of money, but because we know who to trust yeah. and where it comes from. And, you know, when, you, when you're living that way, when you have a financially secure household, you're a better worker, you're a better yeah. employee, you're a better manager, you're a better parent, you're a better everything. It affects yeah. every aspect of your life. And if you don't believe me, try running out of money. See how it changes everything. I've got that t-shirt. You don't want it. It's not fun. They don't stop calling because they didn't forget you owe them. So I just want to close with this. Psalms 111, 7 through 8 says, The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are steadfast forever and ever, done in faithfulness and uprightness. Now, if you believe that verse, if you believe that God is trustworthy in everything, and he says give 10%, I promise you, I promise you, that 10% is going to be multiplied beyond what you can even understand. It doesn't mean that tomorrow, if you give 100 today, tomorrow 200 will show up in your account. It could, but what it means is he's going to teach you so many other things yeah. that are greater, further beyond. And I am witness to tell you guys that our faithfulness to the ties has been the foundation that has built our financial yeah. house, and we're now debt-free other than our house. And it's, it's incredible. It really is. It's 100% yep. worth yep. it, and I suggest it. Thank you. Yep. Let's give Jake a hand. Thanks so much, yeah, for taking a little bit of time and sharing this morning. You guys, I, we believe that, that Scripture is going to shape our life, that what God said in His Word, it's true, and He is faithful to do what He has said in His Word. And once again, it's not just a money issue. It's not just about what you drop in there, it's what God does in and through your life as you're obedient to him, as we follow his word. And that's what he was challenging his people with is your heart isn't with me. You could say it is, but really your trust isn't with me. You're trusting in other things. And God is challenging his people. Will you return to me? Will you come back? Will you trust me with every part of your life? Not just the money part, but with every part of your life. Will you trust me that I am the God that will take care of you? I am the God that will provide for you. I am the God that will bless you when you honor me in this way. That's what God is challenging his people with. So this morning, I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes this morning. And I just want to ask if there's anyone here in the room this morning... And before you ever give God any of your money or before you start honoring him in that way, it starts with giving him our lives. It starts with surrendering everything that we have, not just our pocketbook, but everything that we are, giving that to God and saying, God, I trust you. I trust you with my future. I trust you with my family, with my job. God, I trust you with my eternity. And if you're here and you've not done that, you 
don't have a relationship with God. You've never taken that first step of saying, God, I want to return to you, God. I want you to have my heart. I want you to have every part of my life. In a moment, I'm gonna give you that opportunity. I'm gonna ask you in just a moment, here in a few minutes, to stand and to come forward to the altar. I wanna pray with you. God's word is very clear, church that all of us have sinned. We've all broken our relationship with God. Like the people of God, at some point we've looked at God and said, I can do it better on my own. I don't want you to be a part of my life, either through our words or through our actions. And when we do that, our life is headed just where the people of God's were in the Bible. Destruction, captivity, you and I become a slave to sin. The word of God is very clear. We can't fix it on our own. We can't pay that price that sin demands on our own. And so God sent his son, Jesus, came here to this earth so that you and I could be returned to God, so that our relationship with him could be restored, our sins could be forgiven, and we could be brought back into a right relationship with him. And if you're in this room and you're saying, Aaron, I don't have that relationship, my heart isn't there, but I want it to be, I want a fresh start this morning. If that's you, would you just stand up right where you're at and come forward here to the altar. Come right up here to the stage. I want to take a moment and I want to pray with you. Anyone at all, I'll wait just a second. If God's speaking to you, I don't want you to miss this opportunity. He's here to give you a brand new start, brand new relationship with him. church, I'm going to ask you to pray this with me, whether you've said it before, whether you're praying it for the first time. Jesus, I come to you. I know I need you in my life. So this morning, I ask you, forgive me of my sins. Restore that relationship with me. Be the Lord of my life. Be the Savior of my life. God, remove my sin and give me a fresh start. I pray this in your name. Amen. Church, can we just put our hands together and celebrate this morning? And I want, I want all of us just to look at our lives and just what Malachi said. And I want us to pray together. I'm going to lead us out, but right where you're sitting at, I want you to just ask God that he would look at your life and this week he would challenge you. If you're not giving in this way that you would trust God, that you would give him your heart and that you would say, God, I'm going to trust you. So let's pray this together. Everyone right where you're at, let's ask God to, to take this word and to apply it to our lives together this morning. Jesus, we come before you, God. And Lord, I thank you for this reminder. God, I know money is hard to talk about, God. Sometimes in church, it may feel awkward, Lord, but God, we know it's a heart issue. It's a spiritual growth issue, Lord. It's not just about money or our bank account, Lord. It's about do we trust you with every part of our lives? So I pray for every person in this room, God, that we would honor you, Lord, that we would put you first in our life, God, before we invest in anything else, God, that we would invest in your kingdom, God. And Lord, we would trust you not just with the first 10%, but with all of it, God, the rest of the 90, Lord, 
that you would give us wisdom, God, give us knowledge, show us and direct us, God, how we can honor you with everything that you've given us, God. Do that inside of our lives, Lord. Take what we give generously, Lord. Use it to build your kingdom, God. Take every part of what we have, God, and use it to impact others, God. We pray this together in your name. Amen.